Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear His Word today. Please open your Bible or your Bible app to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, I want to wish you a happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday. It is so great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us on TV and being a part of our TV campus this morning. I'm Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Bible Center. I would love to have the opportunity to meet you next time our paths cross. At the Easter egg hunt this past weekend, I met a grandmother, sweet grandmother, who mentioned that she watches on TV almost every Sunday. And it was great to meet her and to connect with her. And we would love to know how we uh, can help you in your spiritual journey. All of us are on a journey. We want to help. I promise today's message will be worth the price of your attention. No matter your background, whether there's something included for you. Whether you've grown up unchurched, dechurched, or overchurched, whether you be a Baptist, a Methodist, a Presbyterian, a Catholic, an atheist, a Buddhist, or an agnostic, today's message isn't just a Christian thing, but it's actually a human thing. What I'm talking about today will still be important when the coronavirus is long gone. It'll still matter whether you get a big tax refund or no tax refund. It'll matter whether you get a stimulus check or no stimulus check. Student, it will matter whether you get that date or you don't get that date. It's going to matter five years from now, 500 years from now, and 500 million years from now. And so what I want to do is urge you, I want to ask you, but I I really want to plead with you to open your heart to what the Lord would have you to hear today. What I'm going to talk about, God has used in my life this week, and I pray that he uses it in yours as well. Today's message is very easy to follow. It's going to go something like this. I'm going to give you one story, one big idea, and then one thing to do. One story, one big idea to know, and then one thing to do. When you think about the word hope, what comes to your mind? For me, hope breathes anticipation. It's hard to say hope without some sense of anticipation. The Sunday morning following Jesus' death dawned very little promise. In fact, for those who were closest to Jesus, it dawned with heavy, heavy sorrow. The days following our deepest losses are often our darkest. They're often the darkest days of our lives. For Jesus' followers, these were those days. All the talk of future and kingdom and love and heaven seemed to be a distant memory for those who were gathered in confusion and despair. They were largely unaware of the cosmic plan of salvation that God was working in front of them. They were sorrowful, however, hope was rising. Imagine the scene with me. It's before daybreak on Sunday morning, and Mary of Magdala and a few of her friends are preparing by lamplight to walk to Jesus' tomb. For these ladies, the last two days have been the worst in their entire lives. They saw their friend, their Savior, their Lord brutally crucified and humiliated. They watched as they hurriedly buried Jesus in a garden tomb. But now it's Sunday morning, and these ladies have a two-mile journey ahead of them to Jerusalem where Jesus was buried. 
They pack their water along with a jar of spices to anoint Jesus' body. It's a little cool this spring morning so they can see their breath in front of their faces. The women are admittedly afraid. Their hearts are racing. Their palms are sweaty. Like Jesus' male disciples, these ladies were afraid that maybe Rome would crucify them too. But oh, how they love Jesus. They feel that they should go to the tomb one last time to pay their respects before the tomb is sealed for good. On the way to the tomb, walking side by side, they reminisce about their time with Jesus They loved Jesus' strength. They loved his hope. They loved his love for God and others. In the back of their minds, they remember Jesus' promise that he was going to rise again on the third day. But they wondered, "Is, is this really true? Is there even a chance this could be true? They remember Jesus' claims to be God, and and way down deep, they, they hope it's true, but way down deep, they also believe that hope is about dead, that hope may be gone forever. As they approach the garden, they are startled just up ahead, barely out of sight. They see a flash of light that stops them dead in their tracks. The light is both scary and beautiful. They're mesmerized by the vivid greens and blues and reds. And just then the ground starts to shake beneath them. Mary looks at her friends and she asks, What was that? What was that? As they approach the garden tomb, it it takes a second for their brains to catch up with their eyes because the tomb is wide open. The stone has been rolled to the side and someone is sitting on the stone whose skin is bright like lightning and his clothes are white as snow. Well, the angel breaks the silence. The angel says, do not be afraid. Jesus is not here. He is risen. Come in and see the place where he lay. And so sure enough, they go into the tomb and they find that it is indeed empty. Well, the tomb is nearly empty except for his grave clothes that were folded in a place by themselves, just like the priest would do when the priest finished his work in the tabernacle and the temple. Full of hope and joy, these ladies run to tell the other disciples that the tomb is empty, but not far from the tomb, they nearly run into, they nearly run over a strange man, a man that they don't know at first, standing in the middle of the road. However, this man isn't surprised at all. It's as if he's been waiting for them. The silence seems like eternity through the dawn and through the semi-darkness. They're trying to make out who this gentleman is. They look into his eyes and he looks into theirs. And that's when they realize this is Jesus of Nazareth. He has risen from the grave. Truly, Jesus is the Son of God. He's more than their friend. He's more than a neighbor. He's more than a great miracle worker. Jesus has risen, and therefore hope has risen. Here's today's big idea. Here's the one thing that I want us to know. Hope can rise in our hearts because Jesus rose from the grave. 
Hope can rise in our hearts because Jesus rose from the grave. This was the message, this was the Easter, the resurrection message of hope that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's start by reading verses 3 and 4. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Verse 12 says, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Think about that. Then those who also have fallen asleep, that's a metaphor for death, those who have died in Christ are lost, he says. If this is true, if there's no resurrection, then there's no hope after we die. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ will all be made alive. This again, this is the big idea today. Big idea is simply this, hope can rise in our hearts because Jesus rose from the grave. Now let's get vulnerable and transparent for a moment and let's ask the question, can we really believe intellectually, can we, can we wisely believe that Jesus rose from the grave? Well, it's helpful to know that the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15 meet every qualification of a Roman legal document of evidence. First of all, Paul was born around the same time of Jesus. Paul went to law school in Jerusalem about the time that Jesus was wreaking havoc in Jerusalem. Paul spent the first few years of his career violently trying to disprove the validity of Jesus. But God opened his heart and he became a believer and one of the greatest missionaries ever. For Paul, it was a historical fact that Jesus died on the cross. He could take you to the exact spot, the exact hill where Jesus had died. For Paul, it was a historical fact that Jesus was buried in a garden tomb. He could take you right to that tomb. And for Paul, it was a historical fact that Jesus arose from the grave and he could introduce you personally to hundreds, if not thousands, of eyewitnesses. It's also helpful to remember that Paul wrote this magnum opus uh, on the resurrection, this great 1 Corinthians 15 chapter. He wrote this about 25 years after Jesus resurrected and ascended into heaven. Now, 25 years isn't very long for most of us. I used to think 25 years was a long time, but it really isn't. Think about it. It's 2021. So 25 years ago, 1996, where were you in 1996? 
1996, Motorola introduced its first ever flip phone. Yasser Arafat was the president of the PLO. Disney purchased ABC for $19 billion. Braveheart won Best Picture in the Academy Awards. Boris Yeltsin was sworn in at the Kremlin for a second term as the president of Russia. Most of us can testify that those things are true because we were around when those things happened. And the Apostle Paul could testify that the resurrection was true because he was around when it happened. Hope can rise in our hearts because Jesus rose from the grave. Now, how do we respond to someone who questions if Jesus really existed? A while back, I had coffee with a friend who's not yet a follower of Jesus, and he, we had a very honest conversation. He said, Matt, unless you can take me back in time to introduce and introduce me to Jesus face to face, I will not believe in Jesus. Of course, because he's my friend, I gave him a hard time. I said, well, you don't take that same logic and apply it to Alexander the Great. You don't apply that same logic to George Washington or Henry Ford. Why would you apply that same logic to Jesus? How do we respond to someone who claims that Jesus' resurrection can't be scientifically proven? That seems to be a big one these days. How do we respond to someone like that? Well, this is how the Apostle Paul would respond. Paul would have said, I'm not doing science, I'm doing history. Science studies the repeatable, history studies the unrepeatable. For instance, Caesar only crossed the Rubicon one time. Historians don't see this as a problem just because it can't be scientifically repeated, and they're not shy in declaring that it's a historical fact. So, we need to ask ourselves, can we really apply the scientific method to everything in life? Can we apply the scientific method to listening to music? Or maybe a better example, can we really apply the scientific method to falling in love? Some things in, even in our own lives fall outside of the scientific method. How do we respond when someone questions if Jesus really died on the cross? Not that he was on the cross, but how do we respond if someone maybe suggests that Jesus might have swooned, that he fainted, but that he didn't actually die? Well, no credible historian denies that Jesus of Nazareth really lived. Most historians will attest that there's enough evidence to suggest that Jesus really did get nailed to a cross. But the question that some ask is, is it possible that Jesus just again fainted on the cross, but that he didn't really die? The response to that question is quite simple, and that's this. Jesus had to die because the Roman soldiers were experts in capital punishment. They would not have left it to chance that he had merely passed out. This is why they stuck a spear in his side to make sure he was dead. One theologian says it this way. He says, the evidence for Jesus' resurrection is so strong that nobody would question it except for two things. First, it is a very unusual event. And second, if you believe it happened, you have to change the way you live. There are multiple evidences of the resurrection, but perhaps no evidence is greater than the evidence of changed lives. 
Overnight, thousands of Jews and Greeks with very little culture or worldview in common, they agreed 100% on the same thing, that Jesus literally, physically rose from the grave. They received the evidence and they started believing something that had never before been believed in human history, that a man had been bodily resurrected and therefore had proven himself to be the Son of God. When early Christians met one another on the road, it was common for them to say, a couple thousand years ago, it was common for them to say, Christ has risen. And the other would respond, Christ has risen indeed. How sure were the early Christians of Jesus' resurrection? Well, thousands of them were so sure that they willingly and bravely faced martyrdom in Roman Colosseums. Hope can rise in our hearts because Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. Jesus paid the penalty to God the Father that you and I could never pay. We're not pure enough to pay for our own sin. We could never atone for our own sin and get ourselves to heaven. But Jesus paid the payment on the cross. He died and physically, publicly rose from the grave on that first Easter Sunday. How can we know that Jesus' resurrection was a physical and not just a spiritual resurrection? There are some who try to suggest, well, he arose spiritually, that it was just his spirit and that it wasn't actually his body. The problem with that is that in the Bible, the word resurrection almost exclusively refers to being physically resuscitated physically revived back to life. The ancient prophets in the Old Testament talked about the dry bones rattling, the dry bones rattling back to life. His followers could touch him after he rose from the grave. They could hug him. They could feel the scars in his hands and his feet. Luke tells us that he actually ate broiled fish on at least one occasion. In the Gospels, he appears as a man like any other man. And so again, the one thing that I want you to know today is that hope can rise in our hearts because Jesus rose from the grave. That's what I'd like you to know. But here's what I'd like you to do. Here's what I'd like you to do. Trust Jesus's good news. Just trust Jesus's good news. If you're not yet a believer, Easter for you is more than just a day, it's a decision. I want to encourage you to commit your life to Christ, to trust Jesus' good news, to trust the gospel. Understanding the entire Bible is not necessary for salvation. It's not. Understanding the entire Bible is not necessary for salvation. The primary question for salvation is this. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he arose from the grave? Do you believe that he died for your sins and arose from the grave? The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Just this morning, I was talking with one of my friends from middle school, which has been a few years ago. 
We're trying to settle on his baptism date, on the, the day that he wants to go public with his faith in the way that Jesus said to go public with his faith. But a few weeks ago, we were talking on Facebook Messenger, and he was asking me about how he can be saved. And so we talked about the gospel, and I shared with him, encouraged him to trust Jesus' good news. This past Sunday, he said that in his work truck, he told me this past Sunday, that this past week in his work truck, he bowed his head and he asked Jesus to be the Lord of his life. He doesn't remember the exact words that he prayed because there's no magic prayer, but he just wanted Jesus to be a savior. And so I want to encourage you wherever you are to repent of your sin and believe the gospel. Trust Jesus's good news. But Christian, this is for us as well. Whether you've been a Jesus follower for five seconds, five years, or 50 years, the message of the gospel is still for you. It's, the gospel message is not just the hope that you can go to heaven when you die, but it's the hope that one day Jesus will return and resurrect this universe and resurrect your body as well. He will at that time reunite your soul or your spirit with your resurrected body where you will live on the new heaven and in the new earth forever. We as believers will have new, literal, physical bodies. According to the Bible, in the new heaven and the new earth, Christians will not be a thousand winds that blow. We're not going to be diamond glints on snow, the sunlight on ripened grain, or the gentle autumn rain. No! We will have new bodies. The resurrection of the king guarantees the resurrection of the king's children. That's us. That's those of us who've put our faith in Christ. Christians were so confident in their own resurrection that until the 18th century, it was common for people to mark their tombstones with this word in Latin, resurgum which simply translated means, I will rise again. It was the resurrection of Jesus that turned the broken-hearted followers of a crucified rabbi into the fearless leaders of the early church. Rome could threaten them. Rome could beat them. Rome could imprison them. And Rome could kill them. But they could never get them to deny what they had witnessed. They saw a man who was dead, rise from the grave. And so I want to ask you before we're done, I want to ask you to think with me this question. Why does God urge us as Christians to believe in Jesus's resurrection and in our own resurrection one day? Why over and over again does God call believers to remember this truth and to remind ourselves of this truth? Well, there are several reasons. These aren't in your notes. These aren't on the app, but you can write these down. One reason is that believing in Jesus and in our own resurrection is the only sure thing that will prevent us from quitting on God, from quitting in ministry, and for quitting on life. Belief in Jesus' resurrection doesn't just ignite the Christian life, but it fuels the Christian life every single day. That's why Paul concluded this chapter, this thought of 1 Corinthians 15, with this verse in verse 58. 
Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself to the work of the Lord because you know that your work in the Lord is not in vain. Another reason that God urges us to believe in Jesus' resurrection and to remember our own resurrection is because it's the only way for us to make sense of the suffering in our lives. God doesn't call us to pretend that suffering doesn't exist. He, he does, however, invite us to remember the historic resurrection of Jesus as proof that our own resurrection from the dead is on the horizon. What hope do we have in our cancer? What hope do we have in our other illnesses? What hope do we have in our addictions and temptations? What hope do we have in our job loss and financial burdens and gun violence and grief and abuse and funerals? What hope do we have? The answer is not in this life. That is a prosperity gospel. Jesus didn't rise from the grave so everything in your life could be hunky-dory. But Jesus rose from the grave so that you too one day can rise from the grave and live eternally in the new heaven and the new earth. That confidence is what moves us as believers. Thirdly, believing in Jesus' resurrection and our own resurrection reminds us that the small things in life matter. I love this one. How does it impact our view, say, of changing diapers? Well, we're caring for this tiny but eternal being, just as our heavenly Father cares for us. One day, this tiny child will be, Lord willing, connected to Christ and his church for all of eternity. And so we will be able to celebrate new life one day with that child in a perfect world, free from sin and sickness and sleepless nights. The resurrection even affects the way we view those simple things. Fourth, the resurrection, believing in Jesus' resurrection and our own resurrection, is the only sure way to dare great things for God. One missionary said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. If we truly believe that Jesus rose again and that we one day will rise again, we won't be afraid to stick our necks out for the sake of the kingdom of God, even if it costs us something. What impact did the promise of resurrection have on the first century Christians? Well, Roman and Jewish history both tell us that it was the Christians who took care of the sick and the dying in the Roman cities ravaged by plague. It was the Christians who took care of the poor. It was Christians who rescued baby from infanticide. And it was Christians who were willing to give their lives for the resurrected Christ. Oh, did they care? I'm sure they cared. Were they afraid? I'm sure they were afraid. But they believed in something greater, that they would rise again. Why is the resurrection so important? Jesus' resurrection, our resurrection, because believing in Jesus and our own resurrection, it's like the hinges on which all other God's promises, it's the hinges on which all of God's promises swing. 
Because Jesus fulfilled his promise to rise again, we can trust God to fulfill all of his other promises to us. Promises like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Promises like in the book of Revelation, I will wipe all tears from your eyes. Promises like, I will provide for all your needs. Why is the resurrection so important for us to believe? Lastly and finally, because believing in Jesus' resurrection and our own resurrection reminds us that God loves bringing dead things back to life. God loves bringing dead things back to life. Even in this life, our God is so great, he can bring marriages back to life. He can bring relationships back to life. He can believe, bring the inability to love back to life, the inability to say no to temptation back to life. He can bring hope back to life and prayer back to life and Bible reading back to life. You see, there's a power outside of us. And also there is a person who lives within us. Hope can rise in our hearts because Jesus rose from the grave. Right now, as I conclude, I may know you and I may not know you, but God knows you. God knows where you are. God knows what you're feeling. God knows what you're thinking. God knows with that you're struggling. Right now, your heart may be breaking. You may be falling apart. But Jesus knows the road you're facing, even if it's a step in the dark. One day you're going to see clearly, one day your heart's going to find that buried beneath all the grieving, the sun has been waiting to shine. Jesus may have died on Friday, but hope was rising Mary may have cried her eyes out, but hope was rising. The disciples may have scattered like sheep without a shepherd, but hope was rising. Satan may have strutted with temporary victory, but hope was rising. You've been in a pandemic for over a year, but hope is rising. You've lost loved ones and friends, but hope is rising. The doctor's diagnosis may not be good in this life, but hope is rising. The pain may not go away in this life, but hope is rising. In the middle of the darkness and all the uncertainty and all the turmoil, hope is rising. So that means you can get up you can pick up, you can stand up, you can rise up, you can hold your head up because hope is rising. Hope can rise in our hearts because Jesus rose from the grave. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com or check us out on social media. You can also join us in person for services on Thursday at 7 p.m., or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m.